We're going to start a new series today, which will go for the next three weeks as we wrap up our study through 1 John. And really what we're going to look at today kind of is kind of connected to what we talked about last week. You know, in our last series, we looked at the marks of a genuine Christian. How can you tell if someone is a genuine believer? And the last thing that John pointed out to us was the fact of love, that a genuine believer reflects love in his life. And so now John moves on. We're looking at verse 20 into verse 3 of chapter 5 today. John moves on and wants to now, as he wraps up 1 John, kind of he wants to give us a discussion as to what does it mean to love God, the meaning of loving God, and the reality of that in our lives. And so we're going to look today at exactly what does it mean to love God. Now you hear people all the time who will say things like, I love God or I just love Jesus, but what does that mean? Is it a feeling? Is it uh, a commitment? What, what does it mean to love God? How do I know when somebody says, oh, I just love Jesus? How do you know that's for real? How do you know that they truly love God? What does that mean? And so that's what we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at as we look at verse 20 of chapter 4 through the end of chapter 5 over the next three weeks. So I want you to notice with me verse 20 as we look at verse 20 into verse 3 of chapter 5. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who, be, who be, loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Let's look at three things here as we look at the whole issue of today of what does loving God mean? What does it mean when you say you love God? What is the meaning of that for you and I here? And so let's look, first of all, as we look at verse 20, we're going to look at the first section here as we look at what it means to express your love. When you say you love God, that's going to have to be expressed in some way. And so he's going to talk right now in verse 20 about expressing that love. Notice what he says. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love whom he has not seen? Two things I want you to notice here about this verse as we try to understand the expression of that love of God. What, what do we see here? First thing is this. Loving God and hating your brother is incompatible. Loving God and hating your brother is incompatible. I want you folks to understand something. We've talked about this before in different passages. We've looked at what Peter says as far as the relationship between a man and a wife that if your relationship with your wife is not right, then your relationship with God is not right, because he says in 
First Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he tells the men there that if your relationship is not right with your wife, then he won't hear your prayers. And so we've seen in different places through the scripture an overriding principle, and here's the principle. How I treat others is a reflection of my relationship with God. How I treat others is a reflection of my relationship with God. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, guys, if you say you love God, but you hate a brother or a sister in Christ, someone who knows the same Jesus that you do, if you say you love, but yet you hate, he just comes right out and says it. He doesn't even couch it in terms. He says, you're a liar. You're a liar. Why? Because loving God and hating your brother is incompatible. The two can't mix. The two aren't the same. There's no way you can have both of them together. If you love God, it's going to be expressed in your life by loving other people because that's who God loves. He loves everyone in spite of who they are, in spite of what they've done. He loves them. And so the two, two, the two are incompatible. They can't go together. One commentator noted that you can tell what a man's relationship with God is like by looking at his relationships with fellow human beings. If a man is at variance with his fellow men, he writes, if he is quarrelsome, competitive, argumentative, belligerent, troublemaking, he may be a diligent church leader or a church attender, but he's not a man of God. If a man is distant from his fellow man, it is a good proof that he's distant from his God. If he's divided from his fellow man, he's divided from his God. See, you can't say one thing and then turn around and say something else. You can't say, I love, but yet you hate. Here's another point we see from verse 20. It's almost restating the first point, but we need to make it, and that's this. You can't love God while hating others. You can't love God while hating others. You can't. Well, you say, well, George, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't know, but that's still not an excuse. The simple fact of the matter is, is that God loved you in spite of you. God gave himself for you in spite of you and loved you. And on the measure of offense that has taken place, you and I have offended God far greater with our sins than anyone has ever hurt us. And the fact is, is you can't love God while hating someone else. You can't. There's no way. Because to love God is to have the love of God flow through you. And that just flows, it just overflows in your life, and you can't be selective as to who you show love to. Because that's our tendency, isn't it? Well, you know, we'll love our family. We'll love our friends. I might even love a few of you outside of my friends, but uh, if you're my enemy... Forget it. 
But see, that, that's, that's not right. That's a human, that's selfishness. That's not a reflection of the love of God. The love of God loves in spite of. In spite of. Listen to this. Frightened by the clamor of thunder in the night, a little child cried out, holding her securely in his arms. Her father explained that she didn't fear. God will take care of you because he loves you greatly. The little girl replied, I know that God will take care of me, Daddy, and love me. But right now, Daddy, I just want someone with skin on to love me. <laughs> Notice what John says, verse 20. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? See, my friends, how does God show love to the world? How do you know that God loves you? Because it's shown through us. The love of God is shown through the actions and through the person of other believers. That's how it is revealed. Think about what Jesus said. John, again, writing this in his gospel, says, By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By this shall they know that you are followers of me. What? By your love for one another. See, love from us as Christians reveals the love of God to the world around him. And so he's saying, look, how can you say that you love God, you've never seen him? When you can't even get along with people who have skin on. See, that's expressing love. Expressing love towards God is, okay, how do I express love towards God? By loving others around me. It's not just having a warm, fuzzy feeling during a song or, or oh, Jesus, I love you. What does that mean? Nothing. Love for God is expressed in our actions towards others. That's what he's saying here. So then, he's mentioned it already. He's going to talk then about the command because all of this comes out of a command. And again, he's going to remind us of that command. So look at verse 21. Notice what he says. And this commandment we have from him. Who's him? Jesus. That he who loves God must love his brother also. Then notice verse, verse 1 of chapter 5. Whoever believes in Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Two things I want you to notice here about this command. We are commanded to love each other. It's not an option. It's not an option. We are to love each other. We say, well, George, again, you don't understand what they did to me. I understand that, but remember the story I shared with you last week about Corey Tinboom and about that Nazi SS guard who had been one of her tormentors? And he extended the hand of fellowship to her as she spoke in that church in Germany. And her response was, is at first she did not want to shake his hand because all she could think of was vengeance and anger. But finally she had to say, God, you help me. 
See, God sets this standard up here. He sets this standard and says, I want you to love each other. And we look at that standard and we say, well, God, that's a pretty high standard. How can I do that? You've got that standard up there. I got, but you, Lord, look at what they just did to me today. But let me tell you something about God's standards. He never gives you a standard that He wants you to carry out on your own. It's impossible for you and I to carry out those standards. It's impossible for you and I to love each other because, let's be honest, if you know we hang out together all week, I'm sure we're going to do something to rub each other wrong, aren't we? You know, if we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, somebody puts nails in our Wheaties or something like that, you know, I mean, you know, whatever, you know, it could be a bad night. You maybe ate one too many hot Italian sausages the night before or had some bad pizza or whatever, and you got up and you're just like, Arr! and everybody around you is like, you know. you know, you know what I'm saying? It's impossible to, to get together and not get rubbed wrong by somebody and to do something that doesn't irritate. And if you've been in church a long time now, you know that's the way it is in church. I mean, in church, we are all big, one big family, but you know how it is in a family. And so you're going to get to the place where you're going to irritate each other. You might even upset each other. You might even get angry at each other. How could they do that? But there's that standard. The command, you are to love each other as you love God. How do we do it? You can't do it. But God through you can. You go to Him and you say, Lord... You've told me to be this. You've told me to do this. You do it through me. You do it through me. We are commanded to love each other. And so just to make the point of who he's talking about loving, because some of us might, you know, uh, well, who do I love? It's kind of like that question that that guy asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? So you say, okay, Jesus, I'll love them, but who do I love? He then gives us verse 1. Notice what he says. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. What does he say? We must love all who profess Jesus as Lord. That's who it is. We must love all who profess Jesus. If they say Jesus is their Savior and Lord, you've got to love them. You've got to love them. I don't normally share poems, but I came across this poem and it spoke to me. And I think this is the reason why a lot of times we don't love the way we should, because our focus is not where it should be. And this, when I read this poem this week, I thought, you know, it just spoke to me. It was written by an unknown author. I counted all my dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gains while he counted losses. I counted my worth by the things gained in store. But he sized me up by the scars that I bore. I coveted honors and sought for degrees 
He wept as he counted the hours on my knees. I never knew till one day by a grave how vain are the things we spend our life to save. I did not know till a friend went above. The richest is he who is rich in God's love. Who am I to love? It's not myself. It's not my dreams. It's not the stuff I'm striving for. It's not my comfort level. It's not any of that. It's you. It's all of us. That's who we're to love. And he says, you and I are commanded to do that. And may we not get to the place like this author did, where one day when we lose someone that we realize it. That we realize it. So, okay, so then George, what is the meaning of loving God? Look with me at verse 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Excuse me. For this, I messed up. Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, look with me. Two things here. Love is expressed by obeying God's commands. You say you love God? He's already told you what the command is. The command is to what? Love each other. You say you love God? John's saying show it. Loving God is not expressed in words. Loving God is expressed in what? Obedience. Keeping his commands. And listen, he's just reiterating what Jesus said to him. Remember what Jesus said again in his gospel? If you love me, what? Keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. So what has he told us to do? He says, number one, that I'm to love you. Number two, if you irritate me, he says what? I'm to forgive you as what? As he has forgiven me. So many different things that he's tells, he tells us to do. He says, guys, if you really love me, then you keep my commands. That's the meaning of love. The meaning of loving God is that it is expressed in my obedience to his commands. Let me just stop for a moment. I Notice what I said. Obedience to what? His commands. Loving God is not an obedience to my commands. Loving God is not an obedience to a bunch of commands that a church maybe has accumulated over a bunch of years. Loving God is an obedience to what? What he commands, what he tells you to do. And the primary thing that he tells you to do is what? Love each other. Love each other. Boy, that's a lot in itself, isn't it? Just think about that for a moment. If all you had to do was just focus on what God wanted you to do, 
It's not an issue of how you dress. It's not an issue of how, how long or how short your hair is or how much you've got on top or not there anymore, thankfully. But it's an issue now of just simply doing what he tells me to do. And he tells me to what? To love. To love those around me. Now, when, when I say love those around me, let me explain what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, like, I look down at Brad and say, Brad, I love you, brother. That's not what he's talking about. Because in the Scripture, remember, he told us the example of love is who? Jesus. And just saying to Brad, I love you, is meaningless if, let's say, Brad's on hard times. Or let's say Brad's going through something. And Brad feels alone in this world. It's meaningless for me just to go to Brad and say, Oh, Brad, love you, buddy. But rather, if I express my love by helping him or being there for him, what means more to him? What shows more love to him? Words? No. Actions. Actions. See, so when God talks about you and I are commanded to love one another, he's not talking about that we sit around and let's just have a holy huddle here and just, okay, we'll start on this end. Over here, please, will you tell the people over there you love them? Just go ahead. I love you. Oh, we, we all feel warm and fuzzy afterwards, okay? That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, you over here, be there for them over there. In fact, let's not make it that far. You over there, be there for the person next to you. Or the person in front of you. Or the person behind you. Plus the people over there. That's what loving God is. That's how people know what, did Jesus say? That you are what? My disciples. But you say, well, man... That in itself is too much to do. Think about how, George, think about it for a moment. Do you realize what you're asking us to do? Who could do that? Well, that's why he gave us verse 3. Notice what he said in verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and then notice what he says, and his commandments are not burdensome. What's he saying here? Here's my next point. God's commands are not burdensome. It's John's point. It's not a burden. It's not a burden to be there for people. It's not a burden to lift them up when they're down, to give them a helping hand when they're hurting, to put an arm around them and say that you're loving them and that you pray for them in the midst of their pain. But so many of us well, I ain't got time for that. You don't know how busy my schedule is. Well, then you've got your priorities all wrong. You've got your priorities all wrong. Look, just ask anyone. I'm serious. You ask anyone who is facing the end of their life. Lori shared this with me one time. And I thought this was a great quote. 
I don't know where she got it from, but it's a great quote. She's not, you will never meet too many people who on their deathbed said, oh, I wish I spent one more hour at the office. They don't say that kind of stuff, do they? George, I just worked, wished I worked a little bit more overtime. No, what they talk about is I wish I had a little bit more time with my family. And you'll notice people, when they, when they find out that they're going to die, everything else is trivial. They just want to spend time with their family. Why? Because loving is not burdensome. God's commands aren't burdensome. He didn't just give you this, and if you think they are burdensome, then maybe you need to ask him to help you carry it. Until you can get strong enough that you can say, okay, Lord, I understand. I grasp it. I understand. I understand. Let me give you three things as we close this time. Three things you need to ask yourself. Three things to bring the message to a rubber meets the road. Where's you, where are you at in light of all that he's talking about? I mean, you say you love God. But you need to reflect on three things here. Number one, do others see your love for God? Do others see your love for God? I didn't ask you if they hear your love for God. Did you hear what I said? I didn't ask you if they hear. Hearing means nothing. That's why the world thinks there's a lot of hypocrites in church. Because they've heard a lot, but they haven't seen anything. Everybody understand? The question is, do others see your love for God? What do you mean, see my love for God? Well, we've just talked about it. If you love God, it's going to be seen in your what? In your relationships with other people. You're not going to be belligerent. You're not going to be mean. You're going to express love. You're going to express love. So you've got to ask yourself the question, do others see your love for God? Which brings me to the next question then. Is it translated into action? Is the concept that you love God translated into action. Is it? Is it for real in your life that when you look and consider the whole issue of that I love God, can you look and say, yes, my love for God is shown because I'm there? And listen, here's what I'm saying. It's not even being there for church. Because you can be there for church and still not love God the way you need to love God. You're just being busy. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I'm, a few years ago, I was working with a gentleman, and uh, this is before I entered into the pastorate. And he was angry and frustrated with his wife, and angry and frustrated with Jesus. You want to know why he was angry and frustrated with his wife, and angry and frustrated with Jesus? Because his Jesus, excuse me, his wife loved Jesus, and every time there was something at the church, she'd be there. And this was a big church, so they had a lot going on at that church. But she wasn't there for him. Now you say, well, he's just being awfully selfish. No, I knew her. 
And he was right. She was more into church than she was into her family. And it was all under the auspices of loving Jesus. But see, my friends, notice what John said. John didn't say here, this is my command that you love God and therefore be as busy as possible for church. Aren't you glad it's not in there? No, he says, if you love God, love each other. Love each other. So is your love translated into action? Just don't simply say, I love Jesus. Let it be seen. So then the final thing is this. It's a statement. Express your love through obedience. Express your love through obedience. You love God? Wonderful. Then show it. You say, I don't know how, George. How do, how, do I, how do I show my love? How do I express that love? Then let God show you how. He'll show you. The Holy Spirit will lead you. Here's what the Holy Spirit will do. If you say to him, Lord, I do love you. I want to start showing my love towards others. Here's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll say, and he's already been doing this, except you've been ignoring him. Here's what he'll do. He'll, he'll start speaking to your heart and saying, oh, well, there's, there's so-and-so. They got a need. Why don't you send them a note? Tell them you're praying for them. They're so and so. They, you know, you think times are tough. They just got laid off or whatever, and and they just need maybe a bag of groceries. Why don't you take care of it? See, the Holy Spirit already does that kind of thing in our lives, anyhow, doesn't He? Except before, when we're focused on ourselves, we just kind of push that out of our mind and we say, oh, well, I just don't have time for that. No, no, you just, if you've got a problem expressing love, you just ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. He'll show you. I'm sure of it. So express your love through obedience. Let's pray.